This is the EWN Podcast Network. Today, we will continue our talk about the cabinetry needs and solutions for all the rooms in the house. Cabinetry is not just for kitchens. Welcome to From Disaster to Dream Home, the podcast that takes you inside the home building and rebuilding process. When interior designer Jana Rosenblatt had an 80-foot tree fall on her house, she saw the opportunity to create the customized home of her dreams. From Disaster to Dream Home provides you with the information and resources Jana wished she had during her rebuilding process. Now she's sharing with you the expertise of leading architects and home builders and the newest products and materials on the market. Here's your host, Jana Rosenblatt. Welcome back, home builders and remodelers. Whenever kitchen and bath designer Allison Solar and I get together, we simply cannot stop comparing notes on everything from designing kitchens and bathrooms with our clients to ideas for cabinetry built-ins throughout the house to our mutual feeling that the shaker cabinet door style is overused and overrated. We are continuing the conversation we started last week. So if you want more on the subject and missed the last show, be sure to visit our website, www.fromdisastertodreamhome.com to catch all of our past podcasts as well as leave us a message or ask a question. So we're often designing cabinetry for many rooms in the house at once. Do you feel that the keep that you like to keep the cabinetry style consistent throughout the house in terms of the door styles and the look and the molding details? Or um, do you like them there to be a little bit of contrast from a built-in in the family room versus the kitchen and bathroom cabinetry? Um, I would say I don't make it matchy matchy. Mm -hmm. So I would treat each room individually. However, if the style of the house is contemporary, the style throughout each room would be contemporary um, unless we're mixing the two with traditional and contemporary. But like a designer of rooms where you're decorating with colors and fabrics and, and window treatments and, and wallpapers and things where you're bringing that, um, the flow of the house is consistent throughout. Mm -hmm. There's a theme throughout the house. Even if it's this room is this style, this room is this style, this room is this style, or we're all blending together. Mm -hmm. You have to respect the theme of the house and the architecture of the house and the, um, the style of your uh, the occupants. Mm -hmm. You know, when I'm designing a new house for a developer, we usually use the same or just subtle changes in the cabinet door style throughout, but we might then treat them differently. Like maybe in the family room, we're gonna stain it a beautiful wood tone or use a natural wood with a clear coat on it. And then in the, um, in the kitchen, we've painted it. And in the bathrooms, maybe we've made it a little bit of a different paint color tone, or maybe the island pulls into a different color, you know, a pop of color or something, but, um, but, the difference is when I'm working with an individual where they can, you know, make the choices of what they want it to look like. So it can be more of a piece of furniture in one room and, you know, and much more traditional cabinetry in other rooms. 
Um, let's go through uh, room by room in the house and talk about some of the unique features that we should consider in the cabinetry for each for the best combination of form and function. So we've certainly beat the kitchen up. I think we've talked about every detail <laughs> of a kitchen that you possibly can, and hopefully people are still with us. Let's talk about my next favorite room, which is the laundry room. I love a good laundry room design. Um, so talk about what we're going to put in there, how we're going to, you know, um, best access the things that we're putting in there, and what are some great laundry room features we can we can consider. What I'm loving about the laundry rooms are how the interior designers are creating this amazing, fabulous wallpaper uh, floor. They're just really wowing up the laundry room yeah. mm -hmm. uh, to be a spectacular place. I've never seen such amazing laundry rooms in my career. Mm -hmm. um, I think the use of the wallpapers today is, um, is just, is fabulous and it's exciting because you can use something splashy like that in your laundry room if you want to be a little daring be be daring there because mm -hmm. uh, it can be a fun space because it's such a dreary place <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's such a luxury to even have a lawn like a, a laundry room that mm -hmm. i really do i mean i've done some beautiful tile floors that kind of contrast the rest of the house and you know with the cabinetry, um, some open shelves there. It's a nice place to be able to put some really beautiful woven baskets that actually hold the things that you're using, but, you know, are really just decorative. Um, I think the important thing to think about in laundry room is, um, is where to easily reach for your supplies, whether that be in pullouts or in deep drawers or in upper cabinets. And to, um, sometimes I use an upper cabinet with um, a pull up, um, cabinet door front so that I get a nice wide range in your first most uh, easily reachable shelf, which is kind of fun. People can see those all over my website probably. Um, and, you know, the luxury of having a place to actually fold your things and put them into the baskets to, you know, sort and fold is just a wonderful thing to just have beautiful countertop uh, areas. Um, yeah, I think, you know, a laundry room is like a new powder room for me. It's like, all bets are off and we can have some fun. And you have to think about what's going on in the room, like anything else. What are we doing? I once had a, an arc a builder. He says, oh, give me a laundry room. Do anything. And I'm like, but I need the client's information. Mm -hmm. Who's doing the laundry? Is the maid doing the laundry? Is the homeowner doing the laundry? Mm -hmm. is, is there, are there three loads of laundry every single day? Like what's happening in that space? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, folding, we're folding, we're ironing, we're hanging things to dry. We're storing. Yeah, that's things. an important distinction, right? People who need hanging space, mm -hmm. hanging space, drying space. Does it have access to outdoor air filtration coming in? Right. Um, you know, storage for other things. There's a lot that goes on in the laundry room, but other than just laundry, but it's yeah, important yeah, to yeah. Keep, keep in mind the tasks that are yeah, going on. Yeah, and sometimes there. that's where the broom closet is. So you might need, you know, a, a floor to ceiling storage and some, and um, sometimes now in broom closets, I, I make sure there's an outlet there to be able to um, plug in your um, hand vac and things like that so that you can keep them covered keep them charged. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's really important to interview. And I have interviewed um, household staff before to find out what their needs are. And I, yeah, I think it's really important because if they don't have what they need at their fingertips, 
I think the designer has not done their job. Absolutely. In yeah. fact, we were talking about earlier, my mother's coming and I'm re- I redid the room, just, you know, freshened it up and whatnot. Uh-huh. But I took out a, a couple of pieces of furniture. And when my mother comes to stay with me, I'm going to ask her, I've uh, asked her already, you tell me what's missing in the room. Uh-huh. If I'm missing something that you wish you had there, like uh-huh. a chair uh-huh. or a different countertop or something, or is it, does it function well? Yeah. So the end user is, I, as a designer, prefer to talk to the end user and, mm-hmm. and to have some kind of a goal and some kind of a direction mm-hmm. to go into when I'm designing. So talking to the client and listening to their needs and wants is extremely mm-hmm. important in my my method of, of uh, design. Yeah, as it, as it should be. I think that's why interior designers are just, you know, curious people who want to kind of figure all that stuff out. So now a favorite room in the house for me is the powder room because it gives you the opportunity to have a unique solution. It's like a piece of jewelry in the house. Um, Does it, do you want it to be um, minimal and just flow with the rest of the house? Or do you want it to be a little bit of an outstanding feature? Is the cabinetry going to be just super functional or is it going to be a unique piece of furniture? Oh, powder rooms are, can be such a challenge as well as such a fantastic room to have fun in. Um, my favorite powder room, a designer friend of mine did, and she put in, she made just, it's a little tiny powder room, but it's just so magnificent with her unusual tile that she chose like a snakeskin tile and oh, an emerald wow. green. And she has like really a beautiful uh, Asian vessel sink. So you can get some really unique um, products in there and spend a little more money because it is like a show place. Uh-huh, it exactly, is a, yeah. a special place mm-hmm. for the guests to use. Yeah. I mean, who's using the powder room? So it's, it's meant to impress. I mm-hmm. think it's definitely not an afterthought. It's an important part of Design the feature. space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, a lot of times if I have a client that's attracted to vessel sinks and I, I talk them out of it oftentimes in the in the most functional bathrooms of the house because there are problems with it. You lose some storage because you have um, smaller cabinets and things like that. So the powder room where you have less storage needs is a great place to be able to you know use that kind of uh, product. Absolutely. You can get some amazing, I mean, cause who, when you, you think about the powder room, it's not used as often. Mm-hmm. So the material in there isn't going to get as damaged. It's not right. going to get as much wear and tear. So you can do that beautiful, um, LaCava sink with the embellishments on it and mm-hmm. the gorgeous jeweled, uh, drain mm-hmm. at the bottom. Like you can really, get into jewelry, you know, really fabulous, creative, unusual pieces. And as even unusual tile um, textures and and Mm -hmm. wallpapers. So that small space can be dramatic, like you said, or it can be subtle or, but it's definitely not an afterthought. It's not usually, (laughs) it's usually Nowadays, I know that I uh, powder rooms are extremely important to be beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. And I have a lot of fun in them as a yeah. designer. Um, so now going to the, you know, the, the next height of function after the kitchen would be the master bathroom. Um, 
you know, is it going to be a unique design to itself or is it going to combine, you know, coordinate with the rest of the house? And it, whenever I start dealing with the master bathroom and a couple, um, there are couples that say that the two sinks are a marriage saver. And uh, I believe for a lot of couples, that's the case. In a smaller bathroom, if I only have just enough room for, for two sinks, I might prefer, like in my own home, I put the sink in the middle because I really want the double sides of storage. And that's the only storage we have in the room. So there's a yin and yang there. But, um, but what are the ideas um, for the cabinetry specifically? Because we're going to do a whole show on the master bathroom um, or on bathrooms. Uh, what are some of the great um, things that we can do to make uh, master bathrooms really functional cabinetry? Well, getting back to what I mentioned before was the, the docking drawer now has a whole insert that goes inside of the vanities mm -hmm. which eliminate and that you could put the electric outlet goes in that cabinet but what happens is when you push the cabinet back into place the electricity shuts off mm -hmm. so it's not a fire hazard right and to have that blow dryer and everything you just pull it all out your brushes are there your blow dryers are there is really fabulous. It, it could even be where you have your um, razor, where you do mm -hmm. recharge your razors mm -hmm. for men. Um, they're using. Uh, so the vanity storage. And now what, again, a thing I've been adding is the under the sink rollout. It's yeah. uh, just mm -hmm. usually on the very bottom, even mm -hmm. if it's just mounted to the bottom, but it's a pullout shelf yeah. or some kind of a storage under the sink mm -hmm. um, for cleaning or your toiletries or whatever you have under your sink. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> now, what about um, the sit down makeup vanity? Are you finding people are asking for them still or not so much? I do. There are people that definitely want that sit down vanity in their uh, master bathroom. Uh, it's not uncommon. It hasn't gone through the wayside like that desk in the kitchen went. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I find it's about 50 50. People just really want them or people just really want the storage. And it's great because I enjoy designing them. Um, you can do a lot of fun things with that little area. Mm -hmm. uh, and then what about... Um, Coffee stations and mini fridges. Have you found any people asking for those? What I'm finding now, which is really interesting, Jana, is the coffee centers in the kitchen. They're creating beverage centers, yeah. coffee centers, where they're having a whole separate area dedicated to their coffee station or maybe their beverage and wine station, mm -hmm. but integrating a whole nother area with just dedicated for that, whether it's just mm -hmm. three inches or, uh, you know, three feet or two right. feet, they're right. dedicating that space to having either the built-in uh, coffee makers, which uh -huh. have always been popular. Uh, in my career, I've done them. People love them um, plumbed in or not plumbed in, but you have if you have the space and you have the room, people want to add that beverage center, mm -hmm. coffee center, coffee station, you know, wine station, whatever into the kitchen. Mm -hmm. So with the space that you have, it, it definitely is um, something more asked, asked more readily for today mm -hmm. than mm -hmm. it ever was. Yeah. 
Yes, I am doing a lot of those, um, paying a, t a lot of attention to that in the kitchen in terms of extra beverage fridges and um, all those kind of positions. But I actually am doing quite a few coffee stations in master bedrooms or um. on their way into the bathrooms. Um, I try to keep it out of the bathroom. Like if there's, um, I'm doing one now where there's a, we created a countertop when you walk through the master closet is on your left and on the right, we have a beautiful long countertop and there's lots of storage above and below it, but we have the coffee station there. So then you walk into the bathroom and it's not there, but I've also had them in, you know, um, in appliance garage type situations or just out as beautiful little, you know, sections of the master bedroom, a master bathroom. I've done it only a handful of times, uh -huh. I've got to say, that in the master bedroom, putting the coffee stations and whatnot. Mm -hmm. I haven't really had that much of a call for it, although it's it has been, I have done it, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, it's a unique, I'm not it's so a sure how- request. It is. I'm not yeah. so sure how popular it is here in the Northeast, mm -hmm. and maybe perhaps- in like a 5,000, 6,000, 10,000 square foot house, you're going to get the coffee stations and whatnot mm -hmm. because it would be considered a luxury. Right. And you have to walk so far to grab a cup of coffee in the morning. <laughs> God forbid. I think, you're right. Exactly. Um, so secondary bathrooms, either for guests or for kids, um, you know, one sink or two, it, you know, depends on the amount of space you have. Um, and, you know, when it's a Jack and Jill bathroom, what are some of the uh, things to consider in, the, in your secondary bathrooms with your cabinetry? Um, secondary bathrooms in the cabinetry, I would say it's just more basic. You know, I prefer um, cabinets instead of a pedestal sink uh -huh. um, because of storage, unless you can have a beautiful ped pedestal sink and then another area for storage. Mm -hmm. So it's really a matter of storage, the, the cabinet. It's, you know, what are you putting in there? I need my toilet paper. I need my paper, my, um, maybe some extra towels, maybe some cleaning things, mm -hmm. a few, few storage things in there underneath the sink. Mm -hmm. But, uh, and then again, if you're doing your, you know, what's happening in that, that area, it does, do you have young children? We have brushes, right. Right. you have your teeth brushing, you know, mm -hmm. what's going on in that space. So as long as you have the minimum storage, you know, you're, you're good to go. Mm -hmm. uh, the secondary bathrooms, I think are secondary. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Usually we use, um, you know, less expensive um, choices there and, and keep it pretty minimal. But I think the most important thing is, is especially if it's a Jack and Jill, making sure that there's equal separate, but equal, because you know, they're going to be accessed from, you know, by, by two children of whatever age. So if there's a set of drawers, you know, it's better if there can be two sets of drawers or if they're, you know, easily right. dividable. If they're sharing, true. Yes, One drawer exactly. for one yes. drawer for child A, one drawer for child B. Yeah, and child if I can C. do, yeah, if I can do two um, medicine cabinets, I'll do that so that you know they each have their own you know defined space. Um, linen storage, which is often in the hallway near the bedrooms or um, you know somewhere in the house that's designated uh, cabinetry, either you know with um, a counter space with storage below and above or closet style floor to ceiling. Um, for depending on the necessity of, you know, what kind of storage you need. Um, are there any things in particular we should consider in our, in our linen storage? Sometimes people like to incorporate a hamper. 
uh-huh. into the ki- into the bathroom. Almost said kitchen. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. Uh, yeah, they like to put a hamper somewhere in the some. I've had all kinds of requests of where they could put a hamper. Can mm-hmm. I create an area for their hamper? So you get those linen towers. Although I have to say that linen towers I'm finding are not as popular as they used to be. Yeah, yeah. I'm leaning. A lot of times I'm putting hampers in, in within the closet construction. If there's enough, you know, if there's a walk-in closet, actually, even if there's um, if it's a wall closet, if there's room, I'm I'm incorporating hampers there. Um, in linen storage spaces, um, I I like to. Ha- I mean, it's great when there can be a countertop so that you can bring things and put them down in order to you know put them away. And I'm tending to not put linens in the bathrooms if I can avoid it for moisture reasons. But it depends on what people really want. Sometimes they they really want it. Or else there's nowhere else, or else there's nowhere to put it. Right. It could be too. I have no other, there's no other closet. I have to put it in there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But all of that has to be considered and given the best possible outcome. That's why we ask questions. I ask a ton of questions. I'm very good at asking questions and and figuring out what people are trying to say, especially after 30 years, I can read between the lines. (laughs) Exactly. So then, so then some of the fun built-in areas, um, is there a bar area or a whole room that's being designated for um, a, a kind of walk-in bar with wine storage and beverage storage? And, um, and are you seeing um, trends between wet bars and dry bars? No, not seeing any kind of trends. I can oh, I can say that people love having a designated bar in their house, mm-hmm. like a bar area. And I absolutely love designing bar areas and coming yeah, up too. with uh, wall units and mantelpieces because you're breaking the mold. You're taking, you know, you, a wall unit. You can't take a cabinet, go in your, your book and go, I want that wall unit right there. You have to build it and create it and, mm-hmm. and utilize different cabinet pieces and components and modifications so it, it's really challenging as a designer to mm-hmm. build it mm-hmm. so when you're a kitchen designer and um bathroom designer we're really talking about cabinetry and manipulating woodwork and, mm-hmm. and manipulating moldings and shelving so having the opportunity to design a wall unit And again, they're always so fascinating when you go back to what the customer is really using it for. Uh Uh, Sometimes it's just a wall unit to be a wall unit. Other times it could be, um, listen, this is where I'm displaying X, Y, Z, and I need to store uh, pillows and and blankets for uh, uh, Joe and Schmo when they come over. So you find out the uses of the space and having to solve the problem of what's going in that space, mm-hmm. whether it's a TV, a TV unit, a stereo unit, a subwoofer, um, you know, are we hiding our components? It gets to be very, very complicated, which to me is what makes my part of the job so exciting and so fun. Mm-hmm. And, um, Again, then you go into the style. What does the customer yeah. want? And what are you really putting in there? And, you know, using speaker cloth and all kinds of interesting mm-hmm. uh, materials and, and whatnot go into um, the wall units. And certainly one thing we don't have anymore are CD holders. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. If I, I, I wish I could count the amount of 
times I've measured CD and DVD cases to make sure that they were going to be perfectly stored in a lot of different, um, you know, family room and uh, uh, different kinds of built-ins. Um, but back to the bar, what I find is that it, when people want a, a whole room designated to a more entertaining and bar setup, that I'm, then I'm going to usually get a sink in there. But I find that a lot of my bars are, are dry bars because people aren't mixing drinks as much as they're for wine and for um, having an easy place for sodas to be accessed and where the cans will get tossed away. So there'll be a pullout, you know, for recycling and um, things like that. There are all different kinds of um, needs for that in a hallway between a kitchen and a family room or offshoot of a kitchen or offshoot of a family room or living room. Um, what are the best kinds of cabinets to use for liquor storage? Open shelving. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes that is a good way to do it or behind upper cabinets with um, glass doors if they're, if they're pretty. Yeah. And you know, nowadays with all the wine cabinets that are out there and the wine connoisseurs that we're having, you're getting a lot of wine storage, like mm -hmm. uh, refrigeration. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's become a lot of advancements in the wine refrigeration, separating our wine columns, our, our, um, the white wine from the red wine. And, um, you know, usually what do you have? What do you need? storage there for uh, if you have wine then you need your wine glass yeah mm -hmm. you need your wine glasses if you need a wine bottle opener you need if you have your your bourbon and whatever you need a, a maybe a, a designated little uh, refrigeration because it gives you the special um the kind of ice that you want to have for your particular scotch you know mm -hmm. the ice is very important so based on what that consumer is looking for. Like if somebody doesn't care what their ice is inside of their drink, you're not going to get them a specialized, sophisticated ice ma machine. So putting in those things, I think a wet, the wet part, part is really more for cleanup. Uh-huh. Yeah. It, it depends on how far it is from the kitchen or another source of water. Right. Mm -hmm. Like if it's down the basement right, or if it's right. another room altogether, right. you are going to want to kind of have some kind of cleanup spot for uh -huh, it. Although exactly. like, unless it's a butler's pantry where it's right next to the kitchen. Right. Then it doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my favorite ways um, to uh, store uh, liquor bottles these days are, are the pullouts. So it's like a trash pullout, but um, that way, and the shelves are adjustable. So you can, you know, decide that you want, you know, a 14 inch um, height on the bottom, and then you use smaller things in the leftover space on the top. But I find that those are great because they don't get as heavy as a drawer and it's hidden because not all bottles are pretty. And that way you can really be careful with what you choose to display in the display areas. Yeah. And what about butler's pantries? Are you seeing them designed into new houses and homes in your area? Um, what are some of the things to consider in the butler's pantry? Um, I actually find the butler's pantry quite interesting because the butler's pantry goes way back to the early 1900s, late 1800s, because people didn't have they had wait maids and butlers and everybody they didn't they didn't necessarily even the everybody had cooks and help 
So the butler's pantry was meant to be for the butler and the maid. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it has become a whole new definition nowadays. I think the butler's pantry, the technical butler's pantry is the transition from the kitchen into the formal eating area. Mm -hmm. So you would have people making the food and getting everything prepared and then putting it all into the butler's pantry, getting it ready to serve to, for the meal. So it was a transition space. It Mm -hmm. was a space for transitioning things and then maybe possibly having all the better linens for the dining room, better, better dishes, all the better things for the dining area. Now the butler's pantry is not, just for transitioning food to the other room. Mm -hmm. It becomes its own little entity. Mm -hmm. So it could, a lot of people are making it into what we talked about previously was that dry bar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you'll have people putting their, their wine in the butler's pantry because it is like a, an extension of the kitchen and a transition into the dining room. Mm -hmm. That is what a butler's pantry is supposed to be in my opinion and my Mm -hmm. knowledge Mm -hmm. i could be completely wrong i you know somebody might say allison you you don't know what you're talking about but i've seen the butler's pantry in very old homes in brooklyn in the brownstones Mm -hmm. you'll oh and the kitchens were in the basement right exactly so the kitchens were in the basement a big working kitchen Mm -hmm. then the butler's pantry and then the dining room yeah and and there might have even been a dumbwaiter to bring the stuff from lower to upper When I lived in New York, we had an apartment that had a dumbwaiter. Some of the dining rooms are actually in the basement. Yeah. um, Mm -hmm. And getting them to come up to the main floor was more of like a parlor area. So Mm -hmm. the way that the homes are used today and the way that they were built years ago, decades ago, centuries ago, is is the rooms are morphing so the the butler's pantry is becoming it could be storage mm-hmm. it could be show mm-hmm. it could be a bar mm-hmm. it could be it could have a, a refrigerator in there it could have a little sink in there mm-hmm. um it really has become multi-purpose mm-hmm. and it's it's now completely different than what it well not completely yeah and still well, i love transition. when they exist um you know first of all just the fantasy of having more you know, storage space, which I don't have. Um, I do not have a butler's pantry in my house, but um, so I love the idea of them. But usually, I guess always, it's not a room with with four walls. It's a pass-through. So it's- Pass-through. Yeah. And so what's kind of wonderful about it is I tend to want to make them look like a little store and, you know, where, you know, where things have, there's a charming aspect to them or that, you know, you get that really convenience, like the extra beverage, you know, uh, containment and things like that can be really fun and and you know great countertop space at least on one side and you know really great you know storage space on the other side it, it they can be really really fun and a little bit different and and the you know there aren't as many rules as there are in some of the other you know rooms in the house just like the um, powder room it can be a little bit of a space unto itself because it's not often used and the, the way use, it was originally designated right right and the right. use you can get really fabulous materials because yeah, it's yeah. like let's say you want to do this fantastic backsplash in your kitchen right. you go well i got too much square footage right but 
I can afford it, right. that fabulous backsplash tile. Backsplash, right. Yeah. In that smaller space. Exactly. So it's a, it's a way to shine yeah. and put in that stuff that's that's the creme de la creme because right. it's not going to get used. It's not going to get a lot of wear and tear. It can be delicate if it wants to be, you know, so there's a lot of leeway as far as materials go in that space. Mm-hmm. So the next major category of things to do with our cabinetry design are built-ins. We have built-ins in our family room. We have built-ins in our dining room. We have built-ins in our living room. We have built-ins in our media rooms where we have, you know, wonderful movie showings. Um, so let's talk a little bit about how you approach built-ins in different rooms. And, um, and then maybe I'll ask some specific questions about that. When someone says that they want built-ins, I first go into the fact that my sizes of my cabinetry are going to be uh, standard kitchen cabinetry measurements. Mm -hmm. uh, we can say 24 inches deep or 12 inches deep by 34 and a half inches high. And then it, it travels from there. It could be a combination of pantries, a combination of base cabinets, wall cabinets, open shelving cabinets, bookshelf cabinets. So I always think of it as, as first taking my kitchen cabinetry catalog mm -hmm. and transposing that into that space for their, for the client. Mm -hmm. Like a client would say, I want a lot of times in a bookshelf, they'll want the wood countertop. Uh-huh. So you can, you know, having a wood countertop made from the cabinet company to match your cabinetry is a, a cost factor in that. Mm -hmm. So the budget, the material follows, the budget follows the wants and the needs for the customer equals the end result. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you have, and everybody is again, different. Who has all, I want all my books. I collect books, 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 books. I have walls right, of right, books. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, so so family room. A lot of times um, I'll, I'll do um, a countertop height all the way across and maybe split by the, where the TV is um, on either side. There may be cabinetry below. So the question is, are there puzzles and games in that cabinetry? Are there blankets in that cabinetry so you can curl up on the couch and have them easily accessible and not have them all over the room? Um, and then, yeah, then the bookshelves are a big part of uh, a lot of the family room. Um, and sometimes the living room is a, a fancier version of the of the bookshelves. Yeah, people like shelves. They want to put out, people have like decorative photo, you know, Family photos, things like yeah. that. Yeah. They want to, you know, you can personalize a space with shelves, mm -hmm. a space with open shelving with books on it or vase or plates or tchotchkes of some kind. It warms up the space. Mm -hmm. It's a way to give it dimension. You're having, you know, something that's 12 inches deep or 15 inches deep. So it's giving uh, visual interest into the space. You're creating uh, warmth by adding a wood or a painted surface as opposed to a flat wall. So it adds to the form and the function and the style of the space. And again, it goes back to what the people are, you know, certainly I would have no need for a wall of books. 
open shelving, I would say, take that out. I don't want all that. I'd have to clean it. What am I going to put there? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I find people are definitely in, in two camps. People either crave their books and want to see them, or they don't want to see that kind of thing. They, they own some books, but they don't want to see them. It, the books are a visual interest. So you really have to decide design wise, whether that's something you want to embrace and some people do and whether you really want that feeling of a clean space, then books are not what you want to see on a lot of shelves. And so, you know, some people have uh, collector's books. and Right, um, right. So you might you want know. glass cabinetry or you might want, you know, cabinetry that you don't see through. So you don't have to worry about how orderly they are. Yeah. So it's the same thing that like people who, who like to read a book versus having yeah. a Kindle. Uh-huh. Exactly. That's exactly it. Yeah. How do so they how do they read and what do they have to store? It's interesting how the spaces become part of who the inhabitates it yeah exactly you know and and it it really you have to kind of it's not so much like oh you like that floor plan but let's make it personal Mm -hmm. right I mean a lot of times if I'm doing a spec home we'll use the same cabinet company and I'll do subtle things to change it like if the kitchen's painted white then I'll make the it a wood you know stained wood surface or something or maybe just the top is wood in the in the um, family room for the built-ins also the stereo equipment, I mean, or the, you know, now things can be anywhere in the house because there are ways to use, um, you know, Wi-Fi to not have to connect all the wires up. We used to have to make sure all those components fit somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there are still some components and that has to be designed into our family rooms and sometimes our living rooms. And also that infrared to, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, the wireless and all that other stuff. Years ago, you had to have access to be able to have the beam reach the CD player right where now you have like a beam one little beam and the CD player could be down the basement in a whole other dedicated room so electronically you know we used to have big huge subwoofers and a center channel and a surround (coughs) we still have that Mm -hmm. but But they're handled in very very many different ways very different Mm -hmm. yeah and so then Um, In the dining room, when I do a built-in, that's where I I like to be able to do a little departure. If if we don't have the luxury of the butler's pantry, is that where we're going to put, you know, china? And and are we going to do a built-in because it will work beautifully with a window between it? It, it, You know, it depends on the architecture of the room, or is it going to be a piece of furniture? Right. Yeah. The dining room, I don't really say we do so much Uh built-ins. I'd say it's the family room. The living room, maybe like a wall unit, a shelving unit, a mantle, mm-hmm. uh, your butler's pantry, your master bedroom where you're going to have, you know, possibly your, your, you know, a coffee center or something. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got our laundry rooms with our built-ins and mud rooms, entryways, and even... Um, what was it? I just closets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a whole nother show. That's a whole nother show. It's a whole nother <laughs> yeah. built in room, yeah. but look at all the closets that closet systems, how popular they've become. Yeah, absolutely. And I do a lot of custom closets. I mean, people have very specific needs. I mean, are you going to walk into your closet and it's going to feel like you're walking into a beautiful dress shop or, uh, you know, I, and his and her show, you know, closets, 
Um, are they, uh, is it combined or is he get one and she gets one? I get a lot of that. Um, right. Yeah, so that really isn't another whole show. We'll have to do closets because that's a whole science to itself of the square footage of what everyone owns. And um, the product, the product that goes in there and how they yeah. mount it and how yeah. they figure out the calculations in their corners. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's another corner issue right there. So throughout the house, there are options for the upper cabinets to include glass. Um, they can be French lights, you know, little panes that are charming or single panels of glass that are a little more contemporary, or they can be, and they can be either clear or opaque. Um, what are some of the opportunities and factors to consider in determining the use of glass in um, cabinetry? Um, when you're having a glass cabinetry, what you need to do is also finish the interior. So, uh-huh, right. So that's more it has costly. To, it could be either if it could match the outside or uh-huh. it could be contrasting. It could be a lot of different things, but the inside usually is comes finished mm-hmm. um, with the different kinds of glass. There's so many glass out there that people don't even the, the lay person doesn't even know. And a lot of designers don't even know because we're we're not really glass is not a material that we pass around mm-hmm. in our meetings. We pass around wood samples and color chips and and door samples and things like that. So the glass you can if you go to a shower door supplier yeah, exactly. and a glass company, you can get. Amazing. amazing patterned i remember when the antique uh bubble glass was popular uh-huh. uh we used to have the leaded glass cabinetry uh-huh. that, that was really really popular now i don't see that anymore um the most common glass cabinet is going to be a mullion style glass mm-hmm. uh, which has the different the lights, lights so, yeah. yeah the lights in it so you could have you know, all the different patterns with the mullions. And then the glass, you just have to make sure that does the manufacturer of the cabinetry supply the glass Mm -hmm. or is the glass something that needs to be added on on site afterwards? Because some cabinets don't sell the glass. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And some companies do. Yeah. Some companies will do it just cut for glass. Right. They'll make it prepared for the glass. Right. Yeah. And you have to go bring the door and have it um, may have the glass insert put in. So that's something that you need to verify with your customer. And when when you're picking and choosing your cabinetry, mm-hmm. you want to ask the designer or the designer needs to know whether the glass is included or not. And yeah. you could get your there's there's so many glass patterns. Mm-hmm frosted yeah uh, and, and, you know, beautiful like bamboo or Bam- you know patterns yeah. and there can be um uh sort of little you know very subtle line patterns um that can all be really beautiful to employ um the glass can really break things up and i think a lot of times people are like they just don't want to walk into down a hallway full of of, of upper cabinets and have it all be you know right. one thing they want to be able to break right. it up a little bit so i find that you know employing glass especially the thing that's important is to know exactly what they're going to put in it because if we're going to see it then it has to be beautiful so are you going to fold your towels properly behind that glass cabinet door do you have really nice collections of your china or your dishware um if there are books are they you know books that are going to look good you know on those shelves 
or, you know, use glass, but make sure that we don't see full through it fully. So we can be semi visible behind it or, or completely opaque with just a beautiful pattern uh, to be able to use. So it's all really important to understand what's going into those cabinets. I have glass in my kitchen and I have a very little kitchen uh-huh. and I just, like you said, I didn't want to look at all doors yeah. and yeah. I wanted to give it a little bit more of a furniture look. Yeah. So right. I got glass, but you cannot see through that glass because it's right. actually prism glass. Right. But it so. still does what you wanted it to. It still breaks up the space, feels mm-hmm. lighter, maybe reflects a little bit of light. And if it, it can be... Uh, decorative being yeah, lit on the inside and having some beautiful mm-hmm. uh, display of mm-hmm. some kind. But I find a, people do want glass. They'll yeah. always say, if I can get one glass cabinet mm-hmm. or I wish I could have all glass, whatever, they want that yeah. glass in there because it is open feeling, refreshing, maybe and a visual contrast, makes your eyes stop along the way, if you have all wall cabinets and then, ooh, doors, like your eye will stop. So it creates visual interest. Uh-huh. So, so I do find that people still want that glass in mm-hmm. their kitchen. Absolutely. Yeah. I, and, and throughout the house, I use glass. Um, I recently did a master bathroom with um, a tower in the corner of two um, vanities that come off of it with um, a glass door that we can't see through to see what's in it, but it, it lightens up the whole look. It's yeah. very, very beautiful piece of, um, of glass. It's just, it's another beautiful material to work yeah, with. Visual interests. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. Yeah. So the final frontier, I think for cabinetry in the house is the garage. Um, are people making them workspaces or a lot of more deep storage of, you know, floor to ceiling closets? What design ideas are we suggesting for garages? I have not really done a garage. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you haven't been forced to do garages? <laughs> no. And I'd have to say in the Northeast, uh, it would be a completely different exactly. product. That's exactly right. Because if you're going to put your car in your garage, it's going to have be wet in there. Yeah. So here in California, garages are an extension of the, of your house. And so um, I have clients that we create gorgeous work areas, whether it's a guy with tools or um, a, a, um, a, or a craft storage area, or it's a... Um, or it's just floor to ceiling, you know, cabinetry where we're going to do a, a whole gardening section. I mean, you this is where you get more information about what people want to do and how they want to do it. I, I have clients that put their you know couches for their grandkids in the garage because you can use it all year with yeah. giant TVs on the walls and um, all different kinds of storage in the in the garage, um, pegboards for tools or just really specific drawers or just a lot of storage. But I've, um, what's fascinating here in the Northeast uh-huh. is you get them. We have these mansions out here. I uh-huh. mean, you know, we've got a lot of um, Wall Street money over here on uh-huh. Long Island. I love the garages that are there the men's play state play area Uh and they'll do like even a basketball floor or these epoxy cool pattern floors and these this gorgeous um 
and here in the Northeast, we have that rugged garage uh, storage uh-huh. cabinetry, which is, you know, very utilitarian, mm-hmm. but, you know, masculine looking. It can come mm-hmm. in colors and accents and it could be a really fun room. Yeah, it can but, be a really um, fun room. Unless it's being used to store like your five cars that everybody has that, uh-huh. you know, if they're, they've got, then they're putting in the floors and the and the chandeliers and it's their showroom. But for the most part here on in the Northeast, I'd say garages are exactly what we say, a garage. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, no, it's, it's, that's so funny to think about the difference because um, we don't have basements here, um, oh. mostly for the cost of construction um, the way our foundations are done, I used to think it was, and I still do, that is sort of an earthquake issue. You, you don't really want to be under your house, but I'm not really sure. I think it now, I now have come to, through this series to realize it's mostly um, construction um, design, you know, construction budget. But um, so we don't have other places for all that extra crap that we used to store in my basement growing up in Boston. Now it's our garage and the garage is really, really important. I mean, some people, many people, probably most people here can't afford, you know, can't really get a car in their garage because of the storage needs. But sometimes for my clients with these big, beautiful homes, we are able to figure out where the cars go and where all the play space is or the, you know, craft space is or the, you know, all of those interesting things that you put in a garage and because of the weather and no water we get so little rain it can be regular cabinetry so that's why for me it's an extension of the cabinetry contract when the when the garage is attached to the house Uh uh-huh and we have these smaller homes they will take over that garage as a separate room yeah yeah and that but then it has to become weatherproofed here in the Northeast, you'd have to get heating in there. You'd have mm-hmm. to get a vent, you know, it would need some kind of um, insulation for the freezing weather, uh, for the rain, for the snow. And we do, for the most part, the majority of homes here in New York have basements. They're going to be, unless it's a higher water level, uh-huh. which could be possibly on the South shore, but we, you know, most of the houses are on a, on a, with a, with a basement. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah. yeah. It's a, uh, it's just a different, um, I think that there are a lot of reasons for that insulation and all kinds of things, but yeah, ba- I, I miss the basement. Definitely. Even though I was scared to go down some of them when I was growing up, some of the uh, office- basements in my houses. Uh, once you get over that fear, there's a lot of stuff you can do in a basement. Well, actually, in Queens, I had my mother had an English tutor and all the ceilings were 10 foot ceilings with oh, wooden beams yeah. and whatnot. Even the ceiling in the basement was like uh-huh. nine feet tall. Wow. And it was covered with this amazing English tutor, dark brown, carved out wood. Wow. Stucco. Uh-huh stucco ceiling and, and a fireplace in the corner uh-huh. out of brick. It was just really an amazing. And that was my bedroom. Oh, wow. That's cool. I made, I made that my bedroom. And in fact, I'm in the basement right now. You are, but you have that nice window on the side up there. I do. And there's no cats. Have a cat sitting. And no cats. I don't know. They've been so very good. For the designers that are listening, what are the design tools and drafting programs for cabinetry um, that that you're using? What are you uh, currently using? The primary uh, drafting and CAD program utilized in 
90% of the kitchen places, it's going to be the 2020 design program. Uh-huh. Then you'll get the higher end custom shops that will integrate that with your chief architect because you've got some um, with the chief architect, you can do more customizations. You can do really custom built in drawings. It's a, it's a CAD, like you uh-huh. can do blueprints. So you can do 3D, you can switch more easily into 3D renderings. I could do that in in 2020. We do that. Yeah, you do. Right. 2020 is a very sophisticated program. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of rendering capabilities on it because nowadays, again, we have the transition of everything becoming this. I need a rendering. I need a rendering. I need a 3D. I need to see it in 3D. Mm -hmm. You know, before it used to be like, let me wow you with my 3D. Now it's almost like, well, where's the 3D? You know? Yep. So and in color, they expect it now. Um, but 2020 does a very nice job. Uh, uh, designers will integrate that with SketchUp. Um, you can pull in different furniture pieces. There's another program that they multi-layer the programs to do the renderings. But the nuts and the bolts comes yeah. in 2020, 2020 technical still. drawings mm-hmm. because that's going to give your floor plan, your technical elevations, all mm-hmm. your cabinet list. And that turns into the order for the vendor. Mm-hmm. So that is why 2020 is so popular is because it actually one click and it becomes all the paperwork to submit uh-huh. for your kitchen and project. It's all about the measuring and the specifics. It's, it's <clears> highly technical. After all these conversations have been had, it's the transmission from the designer's program to the builders is key. Yes. And they're going to take the um, 2020 drawings, which are, are, you know, usually just more basic as far as it's not as a complicated. It doesn't have lots of, of, you know, labels on it. It's basically straightforward. This is this elevation. This is this wall here. And what's nice about if you get the contractors who like to read directions and who want to do a good job and who aren't afraid to look at the directions, they'll actually take those pieces of of paper and tape them on the walls so that when they're working, they have a visual of what they're supposed to be doing. Yes. I Um, actually take those pieces of paper and I put them on the walls because then Nobody can tell me they didn't get that piece of paper. So when the finished carpenters arrive at the house to start building, we'll go through every one of those pages. And I know we talked about it when I take my little piece of blue tape and I stick it on the wall. I, mm-hmm. I think that's critical. So critical because yeah. so many times the contractors, contractors are doers. Okay. They want to get out their tools. They want to cut things. They want to saw things. They want to drill things. I want to put things together. It's a contractor. So they don't want to sit there and look through that book all the time on how to put everything together. And a lot of times they think, Oh, I've done 25,000 kitchens. It's all the same, but it's not all the same. And certain companies have different installation methods because you might need to add a skin in the field because it doesn't come with finished edges or you're stacking two cabinets, certain things. So it's important for you to find contractors who are willing to look at your paperwork and mm -hmm, make your paperwork and your packet as simple as possible to give to the homeowner and to give to the contractor. Mm -hmm. It has to be idiot proof. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. And, you know, in all fairness to them, the finished carpenter um, or their, their team, 
aren't at all involved in the ordering of the cabinet process most of the time. Most of the time that's done with the designer and or the contractor together that gets you know sent to the cabinet company, whether it's a custom, unless it's a custom guy that's doing his own installation, which I do a lot. Then mm -hmm. it's, then you then your shorthand of information is is much, much, much more streamlined. But usually if it's a, a semi custom and they're coming in from a company, um, you really have to make sure that someone, and it's not going to usually be the contractor, goes through it with the guys that are putting them in because they're the bottom line. I think the success of the kitchen is the installation ultimately, or whatever room, not just the kitchen, all the, all the cabinetry. As the installer, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And it also has to do with communication between the designer and the installer. Right. And exactly. I think that the customers, what happens sometimes is the customers see the contractors all day long mm -hmm. in their house and they tend to get a bond with the contractor and they think mm -hmm. oh look at the beautiful kitchen that contractor did and the they tend to forget the, the homeowners forget the designer mm -hmm. did all the work yeah so oh, i remind them i remind them often um, <laughs> so allison uh remind us about what interest? Uh, what interested interior designers can learn in your upcoming fall KBDA program? Um, you're starting a kitchen and bath design academy, and now that we're talking to the designers who are listening, um, tell us a little bit about what they can expect to get from your program. The kitchen and bath design academy is an online learning center where I post things constantly, monthly, new trainings, webinars. Um, PDFs, information for experienced designers and newbie designers to brush up on and get to learn and get to know more about kitchen design and bathroom design. Because in design school, you're just touching ever so slightly on the kitchen design and bathroom design, if at all, mm -hmm. depends on if at all. However, interior designers very often get involved in a kitchen design and kitchen designers are very often interior designers like myself. I have absolutely. a degree in interior design. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's a crossover of methods of interior design and kitchen design and, and education. And where would you learn where where would you learn to do what how do you find out the guidelines for kitchen design mm -hmm. so what i did was i found minimal resources online to answer these questions so i went back to my basics and i said where would you learn and how can i make my 30 years of knowledge uh available to the other designers who are coming up because, you know, I'm transitioning my career to the end. Okay. I want to retire. I'm, I built my career. I've had my company. I've fell on my face. I've stand, stood on the platform of success. I've done it all. So at this point in my career, I want to take this head that I have of this crazy information that I don't think anybody else cares about, but I know that they do. And I'm putting it down into a platform where you can come and learn, ask questions mm -hmm. uh, and get more information yeah. on yeah. becoming a, a, 
a knowledgeable interior designer for kitchen and bath design and a better, more knowledgeable kitchen and bath designer. As we can see from this episode's topic, the design and use of the cabinetry in a new house and as a part of a home renovation is critical to the way we choose to live in it. You don't have to be a compulsive organizer to live in an organized home free of clutter. If you have worked with your interior designer to look carefully at what you must store, what you want easy access to, and what kind of deeper, longer-term storage is optimal for your family's needs, there should be a place for almost everything, and almost everything should be in its place. I usually find that my clients that have a hard time keeping the clutter at bay simply do not have the best storage open options for their needs and have never fully thought through their traffic patterns. Your interior designer and kitchen and bath designer will take the time to ask you all the necessary questions to create the perfect combination of form and function for the cabinetry in your house. Whether you have the cabinetry custom built, semi-custom or carefully assembled stock cabinetry, the design and use of it will mean the difference between living in a house and creating the home of your dreams. Thank you for joining us on this episode of From Disaster to Dream Home, the podcast that takes you inside the home building and rebuilding process. Each week, we bring you time-tested practices and the latest trends through conversations with top professionals in the building industry. You can find other episodes of From Disaster to Dream Home at EWNPodcastNetwork.com, as well as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and most other major podcast streaming services. Need design help? You can contact us or find out more about our guests at From Disaster to Dream Home. Until next time, let us guide and inspire you as you create the home of your dreams. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? (laughs) I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Calling all speakers, eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help one million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. 
If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.